podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Aston Villa fans and welcome to Fertile of a Pomegranate podcast and first and foremost I must apologise there's gremlins in the system there and for whatever reason uh, there was no sound coming from our intro but uh, we got there in the end and uh, you can't hire good help these days whatever else you want to throw at it but uh, I heard myself because it was me who did the intro so um, I'm going to blame myself anyway Paddy's back from Morocco thanks be to Jesus uh, Paddy talk to us you, I thought you'd have a better time it's not bad like it's no it's not bad don't get me wrong it's better it's paste the Irish skin like what do you expect it's gonna just glow for a couple of days and then wear off that's what it does yeah. <laughs> yeah but you're not you're not really redhead I thought you'd take the sun more you know you're not a true no, Irish skin it's it's alright it's not too bad maybe it's just the lightning in the room it's okay yeah, we'll I'm, I'm relaxed anyway well. and I'm uh I'm uh, full of uh, Casablanca beer and uh, anything I could grab in the all inclusive. So I, I've a, I've a lot of uh, a lot of pounds to shed now over the coming weeks. But we'll get there. Yeah, there's a co- good couple of us in that bucket. We didn't have to go to Marrakesh for that. I'll tell you, uh, we we certainly did not. But look, we could talk about Marrakesh for the next half hour. But because I guess anybody in the podcast doesn't know, when I retire, I'm going to buy you. A Riyadh in Marrakesh and I'm going to return and I'm going to live the rest of my life out there. I absolutely fucking love the place. I've only been there once, but it's been, it's I, I absolutely loved it. I was treated like a king over there, so um, I'm definitely on my way back. Uh, but let's and talk I was, more. I was in a taxi for 10 minutes and I text you to tell yeah. you that you were on your own. It was my first and last trip there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the te- yeah, ta- yeah, driving is a bit wild over there, all right. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I mean, we were in a taxi as well, coming back from the airport. The next thing, all of a sudden, we felt boom. And the fella who was driving the taxi got out, just ate the fella behind, and then hopped back into the taxi and kept on driving and went, I don't own a car anyway. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> just kept on driving. The back of the, I was like going, my bags are in the boot of the car. Anything could have happened. Like, are they still there? Like, it's some whack. But anyway, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. That's certainly neither here nor there. We're here to talk anyway about... Um, we're here to talk about uh, West Ham and uh, West Ham United obviously coming to Villa Park at the weekend. Uh, the the team who have no points, no goals, and all the hope in the world. And it sounds it sounds mad to say that, but they have no points, no goals, and are probably thinking that they're favourites for this game at the weekend. Although I did see that some betting apps have them at three to one to win at the weekend. So it didn't last long. <laughs> Last long. I think yeah. every Villa fan in the world backed them with three to one the other day when it came out. <laughs> yes, it's, it's uh well look, I, I'm actually a bit more optimistic than than most about this game. I was on the Villa View earlier on today. Some of you may have seen me already. Your second dose of Neil today. Um I was in the Villa View earlier on with Dan, Dan Bardell, and um we were talking about it. And I I'm like for all the more the I'm not going to call it negativity because because negativity makes it sound like that it's it's uh, unwarranted 
negativity. I don't know why I always get feel get that feeling, but for all the criticism that the that Aston Villa have taken over the the start of the season, essentially, I think a lot of it is warranted, and I think that's okay. But at the same time, the reality when the reality bites is that we do have some really good footballers, and we have as many good footballers as West Ham do. When you go down with player for player, and I think what West Ham do is they utilize their footballers better. I think that's where we are at this moment in time. But styles make fights, and we're going to get to Stato Corner in a moment. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's a tough read, but it's 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 factual stuff, and it has to come a time whereby the worm has to turn when you're playing against West Ham United. And I I just I don't know why, but like we should be able to beat this West Ham team at the weekend. We should be able to. Well. As negative as I'm feeling, I agree. I agree with everything you just said there, and that and that's simply because we just haven't got a tune out of the players that we have at our disposal. Exactly at some point, this is going to happen. So why not let it happen on Sunday? I'm, I'm going to say again, I'm a lot more negative and, and worried about it than you are, because they've got big brutes of players. This is it. Uh, that just bossed the game, and they don't even have to play real technical football. They just have to boss the game in the back six, let's call it, and uh, win the battle up front. So, um, at the moment, they're not winning that battle. I think there's a lot of teams wise to them, and they've, they've had a rough start to the season. But, you know, I'm sure every podcast has said it. When you're in the shit, who do you want to rock up to? And that's Aston Villa. If we just have a habit of letting this happen. And I hope, I hope to God that we can go and get a get a, a positive result at the weekend and heap the pressure on David Moyes and take it a bit off Steven Gerrard and something we can build on. And that's the thing. I think I think both sets of teams have that mindset for this weekend. Like I I genuinely like like I know this sounds a bit silly to say, but I genuinely believe that Aston Villa are gearing up to go and win this game today. Win this game at the weekend. And why wouldn't they? Because they know that they've got, like, we know we've got good players. The squad knows there are good players there, but they know that they aren't getting a tune out of, out of this team. And look, as I say, we can point the finger about it. We've done it in the Crystal Palace. We literally pointed the finger at anybody with a pulse in around Villa Park, I think, after the Crystal Palace game, namely at the man in the dugout. I think that's fair enough to do if we do it with context. And at that point in time, and even to this day now, it was fair to point the finger at him because there was no in-game management, there was no in-game tactics, there was no in-game changes, there was no, there's nothing within the game. And you, you actually, I, I listened back to our podcast because I felt that I don't like being angry. I don't like being, you know, I don't like being angry because when I, when I get, I may not come across, but when I get angry, I kind of, I kind of, kind of get a small bit out of control and I say stuff I don't mean and I get, I sometimes can get really, I can get really vicious when I get angry and I don't like it. And I, I listened back to the podcast and I went, damn it. Like, because I, I just sometimes I don't even remember what I said, but I could have said the most vicious thing. And I listened back to the podcast and I went, actually, Paddy hit the nail on the head. That we we look like a team that are that are coached to play for the first 10 minutes, but in-game tactics don't, that, that, that there isn't an effect from any in-game changes that are made. And that's bang, that's it. That's it. That's the way it's been since January of last of this year. In-game tactics haven't re haven't been consistently effective within the game whereas other team managers rock up and that's what happens but mm. i think against west ham you're pissing against the wall if you think you're going to be able to change the game in tactics because they're just such a difficult difficult team to break down i think you need to stick to the tactic almost from day one but you have to look after them 
And and sometimes sometimes it's not sticking to the tactic that has cost us. Yes. If, if you if you go back two weeks to when we played Everton, when things were were shuffled about, we fell apart. Yes. We look at the the last day of the season against Man City. Took off Coutinho. We fell apart. We invited yes. them onto us. Yeah. All of that, and, and I'm glad you agree with me finally. <laughs> well, I, but it is it it like that. That's always been the case. I think. You yeah, know, but... it is. It's definitely like I I can I can spot that a mile away. Um, e- even going back to the, that game against Southampton that or Norwich that we went to, wasn't it? Norwich. The minute he shuffled the pack, we we looked average. Instead, instead of just continuing the game and seeing the game out, you know, so there's 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 lots of games where he's done that, even when we've won the game, and uh, just an inability to to see it out properly, and and just you know that last ten minutes against Everton is is case in point. We could have very easily capitulated, and it being like Wolves um, last year when Dean Smith started his bad run. So yeah. look, it's it shouldn't be the case with what we have at our disposal at the moment. If we shuffle the pack, if we shuffle the pack and go like for like when we're winning the game, it shouldn't change. But it has it has changed, and I I don't I can't put my finger on what he's doing wrong to change that. There's a comment in here from Christopher Gonzalez. Christopher Gonzalez is one of my one of my favorite contributors to the podcast. Or sorry, to the I keep on calling it the podcast podcast, the voicemail podcast. So Christopher, thank you so much. But I do take take umbrage at you. Casting negative aspersions on my beloved Cleveland Browns at the very end of this one. <laughs> Footballing fans are obsessed with fantastic stats uh, about how players um, from 15 years ago performed. Time to shake that stink off us. We aren't the effing Browns. I take umbrage at that. The Browns work very hard to be shit. And, <laughs> and us Browns fans are, we're proud of how bad we can be. <laughs> But, no, but you see, the, this, this is what this is what makes me and you different, Neil, and probably why people tune in because you you love all the stats, you lo- you love all the analytics and everything, and I just I just talk about football as I see it. I'm probably a little bit more old school than you, and you know maybe that's why we have a good mix of of people coming in to watch us. So I don't know, but you know I I just I look at the the game from a distance where you would look at it meticulously and go through every fundamental detail, which, which is fair enough too. You need someone like that. And when I, when I was managing a team, I had a guy that did that for me. Sometimes I took it on board. Sometimes I didn't. That's just the way it was. And so you're, you're exactly like Stephen Gerrard. So you mean to say you manage a team like Stephen Gerrard does? No, I, I manage a team. Oh, that's what I, I heard, manage, Paddy. I manage a team like Jose Marino. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure you do. Why? Who was your? Who was your Ricardo Carvalho? So who was who? Who was the fella that got you out of out of jail more times than not? Yeah. Well, there was, um, was a guy that used the guy that used to coach with me, and he'd whisper something in my ear, and I would say, "Yeah, that makes complete sense." So we'd make the change, and it worked. And that that was yeah. just that was just how it works. And it take it takes a little bit of both, but I, I don't know what's going on at the moment. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't exactly. Uh, you know, roses with Mick Beale there. It's not exactly roses with Ian Critchley there. We, we still don't, or Neil Critchley. He's seen so little of him, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> so, who knows where we're at? Who knows where where the uh, where the engine room is in that coaching ticket at the moment? So, we we just need to see um, something of a, I don't know, an identity. I still don't know what our identity is. I still don't know what is preferred 
set up is. I know what mine would be. I know I know where I'd change it, and we, we do it every week in the team sheet tantrum. But look, he gets it right from the start. It just needs to go. You know, I, I, I feel our tactics are right starting out the game, but it doesn't work uh, with the changes that are made in-game. Um, and look, there's, I don't think there's going to be any Villa fan that's going to be able to disagree with that and come up with a valid reason as why that's disagreeable. And look, I'm Mr. Positive 99 times out of 100. And, look, you know, sometimes you got to sit back and you got to call the spade a shovel and you got to say, look, that that's exact. That's what's happening on the field. But mm. the, the thing that always brings me back to my, my core center of, listen, we can go out and win this game is that we do have, like, we have very, very good players on our football team. And that's fair enough to be like, I, that's fair enough to say. And there shouldn't be a lot of people who are turning around and like, yes, they're not playing well, but this is the thing. It's about getting them playing well. At the moment, West Ham's players aren't playing well, but they will click at some stage. And we're just, we're, we're taking so long to click. That's the frustrating point uh, for Aston Villa. And we may never click under Stephen Jared. It might be somebody else who comes in and, and gets this team to click. But we talk an awful lot about, uh, or I see an awful lot of talk on social media about recruitment and about this, and we need to bring someone in. And yes, we will. And I, I'm very, very positive about what's going to happen in the transfer market between now and next Thursday. I, I really am. And I think that there's going to be a centre back. And look, if it is Jan Bednarek, I'm there are a lot of positives to Jan Bednarek's team, Jan, Jan Bednarek's play. And um, there's a lot of people who read what Southampton fans think of him. I'm not going to say Southampton fans are right. Um, I'm not, so not going to say it all wrong, but there's context to everything with regards to this. And and that's where the stats come in. That's where watching the football match comes in as well. We're not doing a podcast on him. I'm just using that as an example. The players will come in, players will leave before the end of the transfer window. And we just got to, like, I, the thing that's pissing everybody off is at the moment, we're hoping that what we do over the next five days gets it right. We'll get on to that. We've moved. I've moved the goalpost. I think with this conversation a small bit, a small bit from what the core <laughs> aspect of this is with regards to West Ham. But that's essentially the essence of the next five days are big, but they're even the next two days are even bigger until we get West Ham out of the way. Let's just say we beat West Ham. We move on to six points. Six points. Def, six points will most likely have us comfortably. Well, I say comfortably, comfortably in the top half of the table. But six after points will have us four games. <laughs> well after four games. But there's a lot of other teams out there that have the the that will be below us. I know we're we're going into shit canyon, but that's what we're talking. We can only win what game comes into co- comes up against us. And West Ham at the weekend is not a very favourable one. I told the anecdote that uh, uh, on the Villa view earlier on that when we played Villa or when we played West Ham. Mom was certain it was the West Ham at home game where Ben Johnson scored, Declan Rice scored, and uh, gosh, I can't even remember who scored the last goal. Um, but I was st- I was sitting inside in a, a neonatal uh, it, with my the day after my child was born, watching this on on my iPad, and uh, I just felt like I literally nearly asked for an epidural to get through because it, it was painful watching. It was a disgrace, and it was the beginning of the end for Dean Smith, to be honest with you. And it was the day that, that Ashley Young came on. Now, West Ham, West Ham had so much luck in that game. To, and they won 3 0. I'm just, what I'm trying to get at here, Paddy, is that tomorrow, or not tomorrow, on Sunday, I think it's going to be a lot more cagey and tighter affair than, than we're used to seeing from these teams because, you know, they're not exactly hitting top form at the moment themselves. Well, that's it. They're under pressure. They're like ourselves. Albeit, they did get a good result last night. I watched half of it in the Europa League. Um and they they even left De- Declan Rice at home. They were they were so far ahead from the first leg. 
So I don't think they're going to be particularly tired after the game last night. It wasn't exactly a raucous atmosphere in, in Denmark. So there's there's a lot of play for them. They might be they might be physically tired from the travelling. Time will tell. But you know, we're not making excuses already. I, I, I think they could just as easy roll us over as we could roll them over. I think this is one gonna be the one game over the next few weeks that's gonna be nearly impossible to call. Yeah. Um like another thing I think that's kind of rising a lot of fans up over this is that they've bought a fifty million pound striker and they're looking they were gonna buy fifty million pound number eight, uh, who would definitely fit in in our team. Um and Paqueta. Now obviously he's not going to be available at the, week, at the weekend, but they've got the, the, the German guy who for some reason I cannot pronounce his name. Carrer. I I I can't pronounce his name. Tilo Carrer. I can't I, I anyway, blank on that one. They've signed him and uh he's a very, very decent player as well. And and I think it's just that they're probably gonna they're probably looking to get a bounce from their from their signings where we haven't gotten a bounce from our transfer signings at all because we did them so early in the in the in the window and people are kind of looking they need that extra bounce from 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 somewhere with regards to this game and also look we know we're going into a, going in against the team and actually do you know what I'm just going to play it now because we've got a stato corner and we're going to go into it now but we are going to have a, a, a game against the team whereby traditionally we don't perform very very well we don't perform very well against and that brings us to our lovely feature from avfc stato stato corner there we go the jingle stayed in for this week so look the the, and and, and what the funny thing is sometimes the stats aren't in your favor and there's fecking nothing we can do about that you know it's, it's it's just a factual piece of information that there's some teams are going to be our bogey team and some teams won't. And for us specifically, West Ham are our bogey team. Now, I've got three slides here with three specific, specific statistics. That And the first one here is Aston Villa have won just one of their last 12 Premier League games against West Ham. They've drawn five and lost six. And their willingness in their last eight since a 1-0 win in May 2015. So to go into this game confident is, is a bit of a surprise for me anyway, for me to be so yeah. confident. but. You know, we have to bear this in mind that history does repeat itself, unfortunately, and it has done over the last 12 games. Also, after the two win win over, over Everton, Aston Villa are looking to win back to back home Premier League games uh, within a single season for the first time since January 2021 under Dean Smith. And also under Steven Gerrard, Villa have followed up each of their four previous Premier League victories at Villa Park with a defeat in their next home league fixture. So not only do we have the opposition against us with their very favourable record in their favour against us, we also don't really stack together home wins on top of each other. So from that point of view, it's definitely one to go into with some trepidation. But for some reason, I just feel like we can pull something out of the bag. Well, <laughs> the stats will tell you there's nothing to be confident about. and that's. But probably... you watch football. I'm the stats guy. I know. Football is telling me that not to be confident, let alone the stats. Um, they they are just set out better than us. They're just they're, they're solid. The team rarely changes. They don't. They mix it up up top. The you know the two the two sitting center the uh, midfielders are excellent. The full backs is probably their weakest position. Uh, defensively, um, whether we can get at that or not now I don't know, but uh. 
or who they play at right back is a big question as well. So, look, it's there's there's a lot of answers and no questions. I I, I just can't yeah. for the life of me see how how we go about breaking these guys down. Um, I'm hoping they play two up top. I'm hoping they keep one of those uh, defensive midfielders occupied as as a kind of yes. toward central defender, and and have him run around after Ings or Watkins or whatever, whoever it is, and. You know, I I think that's in my view that's how we go and get at them. Yeah, I agree. Roy Martin is another statistic. Did we know that West Ham are playing their fourteenth Sunday fixture in a row? I didn't know that. Sure, we'll, we'll be you, saying that by the time we'll be saying that by the time the World Cup comes around. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, heads up everybody who listens to the podcast on a, on a, on a regular basis. It's going to be a lot of Sundays that I'm going to be... I don't know how I'm going to be able to do team sheet tantrums, specifically in the month of October coming up. But we'll find a way. We always find a way. We always find a way. That's yeah, my we'll thing to worry about, so you guys don't be worrying about it. But that is a mad statistic. And I know, yeah, as Rex says, it's all about the... All probably because of the Europa Conference, but still, that's a mad statistic to have, yeah. have there as well. Um, Paddy, I suppose, look, listen, we're 22 minutes into the podcast, and we've really just been kind of waffling a small bit, but like when we look at their specific threats and what they bring to the table, it still is when you think about it, it still is brute force. Okay, they've got those three guys that sit behind the striker and the Fornals, the Lanzinis, the Jared Bones, and all those. And yes, they do get involved, but it's it's Suchek and Rice, it's Ogbonna, it's um, it, it's uh, Kurtzuma, it's Mikel Antonio. That's what's really made them tick over yeah. the years. And is I suppose really what I'm getting at here is, is the fact that Mikel Antonio is not really the same striker as he has been this year, well, this year and towards the end of last year. Has that been a massive effect on West Ham? And have they really just eked every bit of bit of um, talent out of him? Well, that if, if you speak to a West Ham fan, that's what they seem to think has happened, that he's, he's hit burnout stage and it's, ju- it's just not firing for him. But, like, we could see a completely different player on Sunday. <laughs> you just don't know what Mikel Antonio is going to turn up. He hasn't turned up as yet this season. They haven't scored a goal. Um, those three guys in behind them are, are capable of, of doing anything on their day as well, including scoring goals themselves. So, you know, I I, I think and and they could unleash Kamaka in there in his place. I think summer. he will start. Yeah, I think yeah. he's starting for sure. So I think when they spend that kind of money, I think I think when you have a striker in there who's not firing, you throw him in there and you 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 wake him up a little bit and hope that he'll fire back and and look for his place back. Um, and and who knows, we could be seeing him coming on with 75 minutes on the clock and, and having an absolute stormer because he's pissed off. That's generally what that's generally what happens when a striker is, is under pressure. But and and then if he starts, we have to worry about Skamaka coming on as well whenever he chooses to unleash him. So there's a lot of play. Uh Kufal is missing. As far as I know, yeah. he's and he he's, he's locked concussion, concussion protocol, is it? think so yeah yeah so that's that's why i said we, we we may have an option to get at them on the wings hopefully that's the case that we can do it but having said that when we break down the wings those two brutes in uh Suchek and rice can very easily come across and cover that area as well so you could be talking about this one all day but i i, just, I can't see in, in 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 my heart i can't see how we're going to do this i can't see how we're going to break them down I think this is going to be a particularly nervy game for both teams, given the perilous situation that West Ham are in and the not much better off position that we're in. I think it's going to be very nervous and we've just got to be tight and tight early, as as tight as we can possibly be 
and then try and hit them on the break. That that's how I see the game going. But we just we have to defend set pieces really, really well. Yes. This is a team that can really punish you. When you when you think of those two centre halves and, and the two defensive midfielders, they could have a field day the way we've been we've been defending for corners and set pieces. So that's another uh, worrying part of, of, of what's playing in my mind that, that this isn't going to go well for us. But Paddy, West Ham, there's no point in West Ham even showing up at the weekend. Do you know why? Because we have the positive affirmation. We have the confirmation bias that I've been looking for that Aston Villa are going to win. We have clear-cut fact. And the reason we're going to win is because Aston Villa play West Ham on Sunday the 28th. And Villa have never lost a Premier League game on this day in history. We've played five, we've won four, we've drawn one, and we've lost none. Devin Moyes, take the day off. No point. Absolutely no point. We're winning. We're winning. I've decided. <laughs> I've de- Well, I've decided based on historical fact. So, actually, you know, here's a gas one. Everybody who watches the podcast knows that, yes, I do like statistics, but there's one type of statistic that I don't fully buy into, and I don't know will I ever fully buy into, and it's called XG. It's like the crack cocaine to everybody under the age of 25 in the statistics markets at the moment. It's based on historical data. And that's the the funny thing is like if I was this basically when you talk about XG, it's like, it's like you're shouting out, you're going, we've never lost in this day. So that means we're going to win today. That's it's, it's the same kind of thing. It has the same, same prevalence as well, but I'm not going to go off and win an XG today. I still think it's a relevant statistic (laughs) over the course of a season. But when somebody, when someone turns around and puts up on YouTube or puts up on Twitter or whatever and says, we'll have an XG of 0.00 in that first half. It literally means nothing because, Yes, it means they're the shit half, but it doesn't mean anything in the greater context of their season. So well, uh, I remember the very last. This does though. This this does, and that's why I love AVFC Stato because it means that we've never lost on Sunday the twenty eighth, <laughs> and we're going to win it the weekend. So I'm a Villa fan now, and I reserve the right to be fickle. The very last coaching conference I went on, um, this guy stood up and was asking a question about XG, and an ex Premier League manager stood up and said. I reckon you wash your mouth out because all you're talking about is the Loch Ness monster because neither of them really exist. So when I when I heard him say that, I thought, well, he's probably got a point there. But people people buy into it, and I I, I don't know why because a goal can come from anywhere. A goal can come yes. from a flicked on kick out that keepers standing out of position. It's just you know you can win a game four 0 with an xg of point zero zero one because they've scored two ogs and. So the ball's hit the back of someone's head and gone in. It's it's just it's why we play it's why the game is played on grass and not on paper. But then again, as mm-hmm. I say, look, it's a relevant statistic when you're when you're when you go back over a 38 game season, you look and you say, This striker's XG was this. That's a very relevant statistic. So it's a very relevant statistic when you look at historical data after the fact based on a large sample set. But what really gets me is 15 minutes into the game and someone posts up on Twitter and goes, Villa's XG is 0.00 already. Yeah, why didn't you just put up that Villa haven't had a shot yet in the game? Because that's essentially what you've said. You know, so it's that's just the thing that annoys me about XG is that it's... Uh, anyway, we've once again, we've gone, we've gone mad. And gone why mad is it not called EG? X, expected goals. Sure, that's that's text speak. It's not even English. EG like what? means example. Now, why doesn't sure. the example start with yeah. an X? So some mythical figure made up this with an X. 
Yeah. No, look, as I say, it does. It it it, it does make sense. So, like, when you're scouting a striker, you should probably look at their XG to see what what areas they get into. Do they get into good areas? Are they in goal scoring areas? Are they one of these players that are like Adriano or Hulk that blasts one in from twenty five yards because? They just have this natural talent or either like a Jamie Vardy who's got a great XG because he gets into great positions and puts the ball in the back of the net. So it's very relevant when you're maybe scouting a striker or when you're looking at a team's performance over the course of the year. But as I say, 15-minute intervals, it just makes no sense. It really doesn't. Anyway, we're off topic massively. Paddy, um, how the hell over the course of this year do we expect ever to defend against brutish teams because we've come up against two already. I would say that Crystal Palace played the brute game with us with Czech the Korea and Jeffrey Schlupp and, and West Ham are going to just look at that and obviously Bournemouth did it. Like Bournemouth just basically came to pack, pack they didn't even pack the bus. They packed the whole fleet of them and they got their two goals. Um, what do you think that Steven Gerrard needs to do differently to be able to draw players out of position because there are two wily old foxes in Declan Rice and Suchek there, and essentially that's the winning of the game for them if they are to win it. Well, to be quite honest with you, Neil, it's Friday, it's two minutes past ten. He hasn't got enough time between now and Sunday to sort this out. It probably means a couple of other players, because I, I don't I don't believe at the moment we have the the colossal midfielder to just come back in and and, and sit in there. We don't have the big striker that you can put on the near post and head the short corners clear. No, just, I'm, I'm not saying how do we emulate the way they play. But there's surely how, how a way we, to beat a team like this. Like Barcelona did it for years. <sighs> Liverpool are doing it. Liverpool are doing yeah. it right now. Well, we gotta stop them getting corners for a start. Can we stop giving away silly free kicks? Yeah. You know, yeah. and and stop giving away corners is is easier said than done. Um, anytime somebody says that to me, or I remember remember when Rory Delap used to take the throw-ins, and people used yes. to put them out for corners instead of throw-ins. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember Arsene Wenger went down. Did he go on a rant in some in a post-match saying that before as well? He he gave out Colotura. Colotura blasted one out for a throw, and he was and they'd been told beforehand that he had to put it out for a corner because it was less dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, Rory Delap's son actually has gone to Stoke, and I wonder, Penny, for his thoughts. Michael O'Neill gets the boot yesterday, and looks like Alex Neal is coming in, so maybe they won't need to play with that. Although Liam Delap is a wonderful player, and I still hold mm-hmm. out hope that the FAI will somehow snare him to come play for Ireland, but it doesn't look hopeful. Um, Apparently, he can't. I was told. Why? Because Rory Delap played for Ireland because his grandfather did. And that doesn't apply to your great grandfather, so he, he can he. I don't think he can qualify to play for Ireland. But he's an Irish citizen. He wasn't born in Ireland, but his father's an Irish citizen. He doesn't. He doesn't hold an Irish passport, as far as I know. Rory Delap does, though. Yeah, <laughs> but he was born in England. Have we any immigration lawyers here on the yeah. on the podcast? Oh, I had this conversation <laughs> over and over with somebody. We, yeah. We'll move on and talk about it's, it's all right. It's all right, Paddy. I'll I'll I'll. Find some Irish woman for Liam Delap to marry. It's grand. <laughs> if we need him, if we can get him, we'll get him. That's what I'll say. What, what he needs is Cascarino's grandmothers. <laughs> yeah, one of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is this is the least structured podcast I think we've ever done. <laughs> but at least we're laughing. At least it's a bit We didn't crack. even go in chronological, 
chronological order. The West Ham, I think, was supposed to be the last thing we spoke yeah, about. Paddy, on this Paddy did a rundown for this one for the first. Uh, it was the first. I'd say it could be the first time we've done a rundown in about. Jesus, I'd say about six months. And Paddy I was just making sure I hadn't missed something, and I was, I needed to go back and have a look. Yeah. Well, we park West Ham for a moment because we 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 can't stay on topic with West Ham because I think. It is as there's a great thing there. It's the hope that kills you, and I'm trying to bring a bit of hope to the situation, but I keep on sidetracking myself anyway with everything else. Uh, so let's move on, Petty, to to something else. The stadium plans, something that I can talk about with a great degree of, I suppose, professional uh, insight. You know, for 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 stuff like that, I was in the architectural game, albeit conservation, architectural technology previously. And I love it. I love the town planning aspect that they've brought to it. I love the fact that it's joined up infrastructural thinking within the city scape of that in, in city in, inner city um, uh, training base. I just fucking love it. I think it's fantastic. Mm. I like the design. Yeah. Look, it, it keeps the old style Villa Park look about it, albeit it joins up the corners, as, as we know. We can't stop progress. If we have these twenty thousand people sitting on a waiting list that are going to spend the money, we need we need to give them seats to put their bums on. Um, At least the hope of getting seats. Well, we also need to to do a bit of work on the pitch to get to encourage them to actually come yeah. because uh, Sunday is in danger of being the first game under Stephen Gerrard, first home game under Stephen Gerrard that won't sell out, which will tell a tale in itself. So. I, I was onto the ticket office this morning and they gave me that information and said it it doesn't look like it, it will sell out but but it still could. So, you know, we've we've got to be wary of all these things. Um it's only it's only three years ago we played in the championship with the upper tier of the of the Trinity Road closed. There was nobody sitting in it. So while I'm absolutely enthusiastic about the future, I'm still a little bit apprehensive. So while I looked at those plans yesterday, I got very, very excited. It looks absolutely amazing. I love the Villa Live aspect of it. Where love there's, that, yeah. There's a kind of a conference arena that will be utilised outside match day. And there's just there's just so much going for it. But the one thing that really warms the heart is that they did a wide shot with, with Villa Park almost in the background. And you could see the new training ground. That's what I was there. talking about. On and the, the fact that there was a, yeah. and they had the, the the walkway a straight walk a straight line of sight almost towards the ground, and that's yeah. I'd be honest with you from from the planning aspect and from the overall development aspect. If you're a kid and you're from the inner city of Birmingham and you've aspirations of playing in Villa Park, what better way to have those aspirations than playing in, than training in the shadow of it? It's all well and good. Bodymore Heath is fantastic. This is not shitting down on Bodymore Heath. It is a world class facility. Where it is, and it yeah. will continue to be, and it'll only get better. And the club have an ethos of improving that because if you don't have good facilities, you won't. We won't breed good players. But the draw of having that and having that lit walkway, it just looked beautiful. It looked like obviously it was just rendered to have a have a, a a lighting plan along it, and the rest of it didn't. But you're there through the red brick red brick buildings, looking up through the thoroughfare, and you hit that red brick of. Villa Live, and you see the shadow of the new North Stand. And be honest, yes, the kids that are going to come, they're going to know about the whole thing. The fathers might be in the whole thing. The uncles might be in the whole thing. They might be in the whole thing themselves. But the new shiny North Stand, that's going to be something that people are going to be showing around. The historical side, yes, absolutely. But the new thing for the new generation is what they're going to see as well, looking up from that bound. And for me, fair play to them. Do you know what? 
I just wish that we went away and we won the Champions League in the next five or ten years' time and we go in and we buy Aston Hall, preserve Aston Hall and use all the grounds, have all those grounds full with pitches and <laughs> let the city play football and get every decent footballer to play for Aston Villa because it just looks so beautiful. When you, Even when you look past it, you see Aston Hall there. It's just such... It has so much potential in an area that needs regeneration and it will get you your regeneration because of it. So... Hats off. Hats off to, to the club with regards to what their thought process is for phase one. And remember, phase one of the redevelopment mm. of Villa Park. Yeah. So. And there's, there's a lot more space there as well where the old academy building, as they called it, which is an indoor, which they on match day they have a, like a, a fan zone for, for kids. So there's, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot to consider in, in what they've done. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it take shape over the next few years. But I think the most important thing is that we play the football on the pitch that encourages people to come. And that is always in the back of my mind. It absolutely broke my heart to see go through the whole championship season, uh, apart from the Birmingham City game, that they they uh, opened the upper tier of the, of the Trinity Road. So, you know, we're, we're only one bad manager away from that happening again. And that worries me. So with, uh, with, with confidence that we can turn this around and become challengers for European football. It will be something to behold in the future. Paddy, did you wash your Villa top at the wrong temperature? The crest this, looks all warped. Yeah, the, I, it came out of the wash and I was going, oh, where's the, where, where's the, I had something to put on because I was running a bit late and it's kind of warped in the middle. Anyway, an iron I, I sorted out. But thank you very much in your head, man. Thank you very much, actually. Yes, sorry. Thank you very much in your head change, man, for that. I really appreciate the the, the super chat. I really appreciate that. But, guys, I think I might be the reason we're losing. Um, It was pointed out to me recently that apparently during losing streaks last year, I, I used to do, do the team sheet tantrums without wearing a jersey. And more often than not, when I wore a jersey, we won or got a favourable result. Now, I didn't take too much thought into it at the time I went, great, yeah, fantastic, it's definitely my fault. But I didn't wear a jersey for the Bournemouth game. I did for the Everton game. And I didn't do it for the Crystal Palace game. So I just I, I must apologise on behalf of Villa fans all around the world and, and, and to Steven Gerrard. It's definitely my fault. Based on his historical, the X, so so the XWs of when I wear a shirt and where I don't. So the expected wins of when I wear a Villa shirt for the team sheet tensions and when I don't is way higher based on statistics and facts. So ipso facto, it was so, staring me in the face. So the statistics will tell us that if, if you wear a shirt on the podcast for the team sheet tantrum for the rest of the season, we're going to win the league. <laughs> It's that simple. So sometimes you can drive yourself mad thinking about, oh, we need to do all this. We need to spend all this money, and sometimes it's just staring you in the face. So Sunday's the test, Neil. You you wear your you wear your short on Sunday. We all put a, a little bet on, bet sensibly, and we and get three points. When yeah, we get yeah. three points, and we all donated to to AFC Foundation for other people yeah. who. <laughs> Oh, by the way, actually, guys, talking about Villa shirts, actually, and this wasn't the uh, uh, prescribed segue, 
We are giving away a Villa shirt. Go to our, our, our Twitter page if you haven't already seen our Twitter page. If you're not on Twitter, that's where we do most of our work. Go to our Twitter page. You'll find it. We have a re- All you need to do is retweet it. Like our, uh, our uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow Addicted to Villa, who's Fint in hand. Really good guy. Good Irish man. Um, who does some great Villa work as well. And we will be giving away a Villa jersey on the team sheet tantrum on Sunday. An Aston Villa jersey of your choice, home, away, or target. And what was that? Alexa just said, I'd rather you didn't. I'd rather you didn't. Yeah, fuck off, Alexa. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be giving away a shirt uh, at the weekend. And uh, uh, yeah, so if you haven't entered that, please do. And uh, I think we've got about 500 entries on it at the moment. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's for a bit of crack anyway to try and lift the mood. Anyway, on towards this. Paddy, we never spoke about Bolton. In 18 words or less, what was your views on Bolton, on the Bolton game? Uh, Started terribly. Not a great performance defensively in the first half. Bolton got tired, ran away with it in the second half. Did I do it in 18 18 words? Just about it. (laughs) Referee was awful. Villa, unbelievably comfortable. Bolton goal was a fault. Yeah. That's, a, ref- that's right. a referee named Mr. Kitchen is a bit weird, isn't it? Throw the kitchen sink at it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually I know a couple of people who've got the surname Kitchen. Kitchens, actually. Kitchens. Kitchens. Yeah, All right. Kitchen. Okay. Kitchens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, as I said, this has been the most disjointed podcast for anybody who's, who's listening to this on Spotify tomorrow. You won't have a clue what's going on. Because, sure, I hope, uh, I hope they have a laugh, especially at that exactly. little episode that just happened there behind me. That was That's a bit exactly weird. It, yeah, <laughs> Alexa. Before I do go, and I'll do this again in the Team Sheet Tantrum because he, I've just realized he asked me to do it in the Team Sheet Tantrum. I see him in the chat there today. Um, Michael Huggins is, um, Michael Huggins' nephew is over for his first game in Villa Park on Sunday against West Ham. Um, he's from Nevis in the West Indies. It's. I think it's to do with his 13th wow. birthday. His name is. It's either Malachi or Malachi. I apologize. In Ireland, we pronounce it Malachi. Uh, so I apologize if it's Malachi. But uh, his name is Malachi, and and he's coming to his very very first ever Aston Villa game. So uh, I hope he's the he's the lucky charmer, and, and uh, we have a better uh, performance than we have had in recent years. And uh, fair play to him, as I say, it'll be great great occasion for him over from Nevis in the West Indies. And uh, yeah, what a what an occasion, what a great day for him. And I saw that Ad, one of our most loyal, loyal stream visitors as well, said that um, he is going to be taking his son to his first ever game at the weekend as well. Whereas that I'm taking my son to my first ever game at Villa Park. He's going to be a lucky star for us. Well, I absolutely Thank hope you. so. And uh, yeah, as I say, no matter how bad we get, no matter how much we lose, no matter how many divisions uh, we go down, which will obviously never happen because we're Aston Villa and we win who we want. Always bring your kids. Always yeah. bring them along. Absolutely. Always do. Yeah. You have to do and it. Well, while we're giving shout outs, Neil, a big shout out to the, the Hessian family from Galway originally and, and now living in Limerick and, and Birmingham, who we met when we were over. They're having a Paddy. big family reunion on Saturday, so they can Excellent. all go to Villa on Sunday. So to Paddy and Owen, who we know the, the best, have, have a great weekend and enjoy your uh, Hessian reunion and good Excellent. luck to, at the match on Sunday. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, guys, we're going to leave it at that. Um, I suppose it's probably been no secret that uh, 
I had one or two drinks before coming on the podcast, but ever the professional, I just I would flow through it anyway. Um, but it's uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. We will be back again on Sunday with a team sheet tantrum. Ten minutes to one. Weird time to be on, but ten minutes to one, we'll do a team sheet tantrum, and we'll be back with a post match afterwards. So please, please, please join us. We would absolutely be thrilled. We will be giving away that shirt in the team sheet tantrum at twelve fifty. Um, so and I know there's people who aren't on Twitter. Don't worry. We actually have a couple of giveaways coming up soon, so stay tuned for those. Um, but we are giving away a shirt, as I say, this weekend to some to one lucky winner. Um, so please get involved in that if you can. Um, also, the podcast. I did it again, the podcast podcast. I might just crack on to the podcast podcast because I don't know why I've, I've got a mental block on it. But the um, voicemail podcast on speakpipe.com forward slash for the love of Paul McGrath pod. If after the game you've got any strong feelings or before the game you've got any strong feelings or anything, we will be doing our, vo- our voicemail podcast on, excuse me, on Monday. And we would love your uh, voicemails for that. And uh, two other things. I don't have anything for this. Uh, on our Twitter page, if you are thinking about getting the third shirt, and we never thought about talked about it today, I actually really like it. If you're thinking about getting the third shirt or any shirts or any Aston Villa merchandise, we do have an affiliate link, and any purchases from that goes a long way to helping us here on the podcast. Uh, we would really appreciate if you'd consider uh, purchasing from our link. We don't have any discounts or anything at that at yet, but keep an eye out. They are on the way. Um, they are on the way for sure. Actually, there is a discount at the moment, free delivery in the UK. If you are in the UK, but if you feel like helping out the podcast and you're looking to buy any Aston Villa gear from the Villa Villa store, we do have an affiliate link. And look, as I say, we'd appreciate it if you consider uh, buying through that link. It would really help us uh, out to to be able to keep the podcast running. Is is essentially it. So thank you so much, everybody, for your time and your patience with us. We will be back on Sunday with a team sheet tantrum, and I always look forward to doing those, doing those. And I'm gonna look forward to even more when we make somebody's day. And I hope you all join us. So and until wear then, your, wear, your, wear your jersey. And I will wear my jersey. Yeah, I will wear my jersey um, for sure. Because And that will guarantee a win. So until Sunday, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. And remember, as always, up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network.